As part of the Eucharistic Renewal Project, Father Smith has entrusted the next six weeks to your, uh, to your six deacons. During this time, each week, a different deacon will come up and do a homily which addresses a specific question about the Eucharist and the need for a Eucharistic renewal. This week, I will kick things off by answering the question, why do we need a Eucharistic renewal in our church? And I want to tell you before I get started that I was, when I was preparing this at home, I practiced in front of my wife, Lynn, and my daughter, Mary Carolyn. And when I got to the point where I asked the question, why do we need a Eucharistic renewal in our church? My daughter, Mary Carolyn, gave a blunt, concise answer. And it was, so that we all don't burn in hell. <clears throat> I've got a little different answer. <clears throat> it starts with the Gospel of John, chapter 6, where Jesus told the crowd, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. When his disciples heard this, many of them said, this saying is too hard to accept and then they left. And then if we look in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 19 and 20, when Jesus prayed with the apostles in the upper room at the Last Supper, it says, then he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which will be given up for you. Do this in memory of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. Now in these two sections of the gospel, Jesus tells us that we must eat his body and drink his blood if we are to have eternal life. And then in Luke, he tells us exactly how we are to accomplish this. The words Jesus spoke at the Last Supper in the upper room are the same words that our priests use in every mass when they consecrate the bread and wine to become the actual body and blood of Christ. Through the holy sacrament of the Eucharist, we are able to eat his body and drink his blood. Now we can almost empathize with the first disciples when they walked away because for them this was a strange teaching. Um, especially if you consider at that time, Jew good Jews were taught that it was, they could not eat, drink, or even touch blood. However, after the Last Supper and then the Passion and Resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the apostles and those appointed by them went out and did exactly what Jesus meant when he said, do this in memory of me. Now, Father Mike Schmidt has a, a series on YouTube and some other places, but I watch it on YouTube, called Bible in a Year. And in it, he states that for the first 1,500 years after the resurrection of Jesus, every Christian in the world believed that when they went to Mass, they were actually receiving the true body and blood of Christ. It wasn't until Martin Luther abandoned the church that there were large groups of people in other denominations 
that began to deny the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, along the way, there were some individual Catholics who had their doubts, but as a whole, the Catholic Church always taught and believes that we are receiving Christ himself at Mass. There's one specific example of a Catholic that can be found in a Eucharist uh, that doubted uh, whether this was the true presence of God, and that can be found in the Eucharistic miracle at Lanciano, Italy. In the 700s, there was a particular monk who was celebrating Mass, but he had started to question his belief in transubstantiation. So he was saying Mass, and when it came to the words of the consecration, the host in his hand turned to bleeding flesh. In his excitement, he called the congregation to come up and witness this miracle. And that fleshy, bleeding host was retained and kept safe for centuries. In 1970, and then again in 1981, that's over 1,200 years after the miracle, medical doctors were allowed to examine the host. And they determined that the material was fresh flesh that came from the heart of a man with type AB blood, the same type that's found on the Shroud of Turin. Now, despite this event and many other authorized and Vatican-approved miracles of the Eucharist, doubts began to creep into members of the Catholic Church. Some recent polls have showed that only 27, that's 27 percent of the people that identify as Catholic claim to believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. However, there's been a follow-up report that said that number is skewed to the very low side because the poll uh, asked a lot of people that identified as being Catholic but do not practice their faith and do not attend Mass every week. And as a matter of fact, if you poll those that do attend Mass every week, the percent that do believe in the real presence climbs closer to 80 to 85 percent. Now, there are some non-believers in the real presence that will go so far as to accuse believing Catholics as being idolaters. They will claim that our hosts are not actually Jesus, but just wafers of bread. So in fact, we are worshiping bread and not God. To this, I would once again refer to Father Smith's. To argue this, Father Smith points out that as soon as the Israelites began to worship the golden calf, God immediately sent Moses down to destroy the calf and end this false idolatry or false worship. Now, Father Smith asked the question, if the Eucharist was not truly the body and blood of Jesus, would God have waited 1,500 years to end this supposed idolatry? I don't think so. When I was in high school, I attended something called Young Life, and it was an interdenominational prayer group. And I remember one time we had a speaker that came and said that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was exactly who he said he was. And I think we can rule out Jesus being a liar. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not aware of any record of him lying. And as a matter of fact, of all the things that he said that we can check, and there's many of them, for example, like the prediction of the destruction of the temple, Jesus did tell the truth. As far as being a lunatic, Jesus did come and teach a new 
radical message that was hard for many to accept. But time has shown that his message provided us all a better way to do the two things that we've been called to do, love God and love our neighbors. In the book of Acts, there's a person called Gamaliel. And Gamaliel gives warning to his fellow Israelites to be careful how they handled the apostles of Jesus. He warns that there had been other prophets like Jesus that were killed, and when he, he died, their disciples scattered and di dispersed, and their movements died out. Gamaliel said, if this endeavor or activity of Jesus was of human origin, it would destroy itself. But if it was from God, not only would they be killing these innocent men, but they could find themselves fighting against God. Well, here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still worshiping that same Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So the conclusion is that Jesus is who he said he was, and that this truly is the body and blood of Christ. So now to answer the question, why do we need a Eucharistic renewal in our church? Well, let me start by defining our church. If we refer to our church as being Prince of Peace, it is my opinion that although we're not always perfect, our priests, my fellow deacons, the teachers, and our parents set such great examples of how we are to treat the Holy Eucharist. As a deacon, I'm given the honor to distribute the Holy Eucharist at Mass. And I can tell you there are times that I can only stand in awe as I look at the Blessed Sacrament in my hand before I give it to you. The overwhelming reality of who it is that I'm holding can literally send chills through my whole body. You know, each day I pray that Jesus holds me in his hands, and here I am holding him in my hands. Now, if I expand the definition to include the whole Catholic Church, well, obviously there's work to be done. When only one in four people that identify themselves as Catholic can believe what Jesus himself actually taught us, we have gotten way off course. Jesus is not a liar, he's not a lunatic, and he is who he said he is. And the Eucharist is what he said it is, his body and his blood. Now, if we go further and count the church as all Christians, or even better yet, everyone on the planet, we believers suddenly become a small minority. However, Jesus commanded us to go out into the world and make disciples of, disciples of all peoples. And this is not as daunting a task as you may seem. We simply do it by the way we live our lives the way we love God and our neighbors, and how we respect the Holy Eucharist. If we do these things, we will be successful because God and I are always an overwhelming majority. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.